Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take The Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume The Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume The Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip, and commentary. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You know, obviously we have Juliana who has her story with what happened to him, an opportunistic yeah. person, exactly, which is what happened with Norshi. And um, we have heard of other stories where, you know, that there is other people mm-hmm. without a doubt that he has had assaulted. Yeah. But, you know, he is behind bars now and he's not going to harm another woman. I'm Nicola Talent, and you're listening to Crime World, a podcast about criminals, drugs and the sins of the underworld in Ireland and across the globe. Cold case killer Noel Long was jailed last week for the murder of tragic mum Nora Sheehan in Cork 42 years ago. But this week his sister has said she was afraid of him since she was just six years old. Today I'm talking with Crime World's Claude Amini about Long and his history of sexual violence against women. This is Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. So do people won't realise the long history that No Long has with sexual offences against women and the longest history he has, you know, of general attitude and violence to women. I mean, his own sister spoke to you and said she was afraid of him since he was she was a young child. Yeah, Noel's sister, Juliana Watkins, um, Moore Watkins spoke to me last week after mm. he was sentenced to life in prison for the murder of Nora Sheehan. And she spoke to me about how she has been afraid of him her whole life, you know, she was probably the first victim of No Long, right. if not one of the first victims of No Long. Um, he's a few years older than her, um, three years older than her. So she was six um, when she was first realized what a monster her brother was. You mm. know, she was in her room and he came in to assault her and she fought and kicked and screamed right. and told him, I'll tell my dad. Yeah. And that's when he backed off. And she knew, she said she knew from then that she had to be afraid of him for her life, for the rest of her life. And she knew not to be alone with him. Right. She's seen him for what he was. She said to me, I knew he was evil then and I know that he's evil now. Now, she um, has spoken to us in the past and she's a very nice woman. Very, very nice. And for a very respectable family, her whole family, her extended family. She talks lovingly about her own parents. They, this guy no long didn't come out of an unstable home. In fact, no, the exact opposite. It. Very loving, stable home. Um, 
But she has kept her sympathies for the Sheehan family, really. She has spoken about her own, I suppose, childhood with her brother, but she's very much kind of insisted that, you know, she was thinking of them as this verdict was brought in. Very much so. Um, she told me that she had cried tears like the rain mm. for the family. You know, she was very cut up by the by the verdict. Um, the kind of the reala- realisation that, you know, her brother was going to prison finally after all these years for something he's gotten away with for 42 years. And she said to me, it felt like it was justice for the other victims that he's had, which we'll get into. Mm. But, you know, she said that they were in her thoughts. Um, she was really said that she was proud for the family, that they could be proud that they got justice for their mother. Um, she sent a lot of love and compassion to them. She said that she always wanted to have the opportunity to tell them that her sympathy and her, you know, her love was with them mm-hmm. and not with her brother at all. That He had no support from anyone in his family. Um, and there was nobody supporting him in court. We've seen that he had his partner with him. Yeah. Um, but other than that, that her you know, all this time, all she's ever wanted there. to say yeah. yeah, is that her love and, and sympathy. It just shows him. how murder tears apart so many families, doesn't it? Absolutely. And generations as well. I mean, he has no long, has sons grown up. Um, his partner has relatives that will all be marked by this, whether they support him or not. Um, you know, this is all over the news. This is such a horrific case that came out. I mean, Nora Sheehan was described as a vulnerable woman. She was a mother. She was somebody who had a tendency to flag down cars in the road. And that's why we're describing her as vulnerable, because, you know, I'm sure she was picked up many a time and given a lift by somebody who wasn't a monster. And unfortunately for her, no long came along that night. Yeah, it's believed that she was picked up by four o'clock in the morning um, by no long taken, murdered. Um, sexually assaulted and then dumped in Chapul Woods where her body was found six days later. Like she was, I mean, one of the things that I had spoken to Juliana about was the fact that no long will no longer have any victims. Yeah, He's not going to hurt anyone, hopefully, again, from behind bars. Um, Nor Sheehan's death. Um, and, you know, she kind of, Juliana said to me that this woman did not deserve to meet the beast and rapist of Cork City that was no long um, you know she's it has torn apart generations of the Sheehan family she's had kids she didn't get to see grow up grandkids she's never met she's never got to you know molly coddle and look after and her, her family described her as somebody who loved kids and loved pets and would have loved to have been around for that but it has affected their families and their relationships um, it's affected Noel's family his relationships um, and the generations of that family as well so it is kind of it's been a, the eye of the storm yeah. um, has been no long and you know the, the destruction that he's caused in his life not just by murdering this woman but also he's hurt so many it's people I believe he's got away with it all these years okay he was incredibly lucky back then you know in 1981 because they identified him almost immediately yeah. as the chief suspect. They took his car, they found some fibres in it, they realised that Nora Sheehan had been in his car and they questioned him. And then they brought him, they brought charges against him. They brought charges against him. Um, eventually, the Director of Public Prosecutions um, dropped the charges or, you know... Did we that- establish whether he went to court? He must have gone to court 
for those charges to be dropped if they were brought against him. Yes, yeah, so there wasn't an alposiquia entered or anything like that. It was simply a case where the DPP said they wouldn't be proceeding with the charges. Right. Um, so a lot of that was down to various different things. But I think one of the main suggestions that was that the pathologist who conducted the postmortem on the body of Nora Sheehan had died. And at that time, there was no way for that evidence to be brought into mm. a trial because the, he was deceased. But we had this Criminal Act, um, Evidence Act in 1992, which was an act which meant um, the evidence of a pathologist could be used in court even after they had died. So he just got away with murder. And he was like, there was other stuff there in the background that he was suspected of. Yeah. So we have, you know, spoken to people who have told us that he's suspected in a, a number of rapes, um, unsolved rapes in the Cork City area. Um, he was brought in and holding over the death of Sophie Tuscan de Plantier, which happened in Cork in 1996. Um, I suppose he was just somebody they had to he look at. He was a violent at. man. A violent man. Yeah. She died a violent death. However, there was no sexual assault. Mm-hmm. Um, Whereas him, there. his MO appears to have been to sexually assault a woman that seemed to, seems to have been what his driving force were was. Yes. However, Nora died. The murder doesn't seem to have been... Yeah, the murder doesn't seem to have been kind of the motive. Like he didn't mm-hmm. set out, I, I, you know, it didn't seem he set out to kill somebody. Yeah. It kind of seemed he set out to sexually assault and then it progressed into murder. Whereas the Sophie Tuscan de Plantier, you know, she wasn't a vulnerable woman. Yes, she was in that house on her own mm-hmm. in West Cork. She was killed at the bottom of her driveway with, the, I believe, a rock. Um, hit on the head with that, and that that wasn't his mo at all. He was he was his sexual sexual deviant. So he was a person of interest in the case, and there would be hundreds of people of interest, absolutely, in any murder case that they would you know identify. The next step up from that is to become a suspect. Yes. Whereas I don't think uh, No Long became a suspect in the Sophie Toscana Plantier case, but he was certainly a a person of interest. But a year before Nora she in nineteen eighty, he was. Suspected or was he? Was he? He was under investigation for another sexual assault. Was when under investigation for um yes for a separate sexual assault. Um, we also find out that the year after he was so and he had nineteen eighty one sexual assault, nineteen eighty one the death of Nora Sheehan and her sexual assault, and then nineteen eighty two again the year after he was also under um investigation for that. And we heard during legal argument how um the cold case unit wanted wanted that woman to testify against him, not in the Nora Sheehan trial, but to try and get their own prosecution for that rape. But um, she emailed them after kind of a lot of back and forth. She was raped while in Cork on holidays. She's from the UK, England, I believe. And she kind of got to the point where she just emailed and she said, I don't want Mm -hmm. anything to do with this anymore. Obviously, that's extremely, you you know what I mean? They were coming back after 30 years and bringing up all that trauma again. Exactly, you You mightn't really want the court case and to have the whole, you know, maybe she's managed to park that or compartmentalize what happened or whatever. Um, And that's the problem, I suppose, all along police have, in particular with these sexual predators, because, you know, you have to give up a lot of yourself to accuse them. And to go through a court case, that's what people, uh, you know, victims' voices always talk about, Mm -hmm. that they're almost victimised again as part of the the legal system, unfortunately. But um, I mean, we're delving into really bits of what he's done, but like he was only a young man in his early 30s when Nora Sheehan died. And where do you go from that as a sex offender? Where do you go from that as a sex offender who has also just gotten away with murder? Yeah. You know? Surely there was a sense of, oh, I can do, you know, I can get away with it once. We mm-hmm. don't know if there's other um, victims of 
of him. We certainly know he has other women he's sexually assaulted. His convictions in relation to um, one woman in particular who was described as having sort of special needs and I think he lured her into the car seems to be always the yeah. vehicle seems to be involved and certainly in, in the bits we know the vehicle seems to be part of it. Um, you know, when you have somebody targeting vulnerable woman, women, again, there's another layer of protection for themselves there. Yeah. Do they speak up? Do they have the wherewithal to be able to complain, to make a complaint? So even now it's hard enough to prosecute a rape, but I can only imagine back then mm. the fact that women were kind of, there's a lot of victim blaming now that, you know, it's the woman's fault. There was cases where women's underwear, what they were wearing when they were raped, held up in court. Um, I can only imagine what it was like 40 years ago. Yeah. You know, that kind of misogyny, we still haven't kind of gotten away from that blaming of the woman. Um, so to even know that you have that kind of silence on your side then, mm-hmm. it's... Now, no Long was an avid motorbiker and he was a guy who liked to dive and he had friends in both those areas. But he also was functioning, like he wasn't kind of like the sort of um, sex attacker, I suppose, that you see as being this kind of loner or anything. He was actually married when Nora Sheehan died and his wife remained with him for some time afterwards and he had two children. And he's been in a long term relationship since his 50s with um, the partner who was with him in court, supporting him. So he's been living amongst a community as a seemingly ordinary guy while, you know, practicing these these sort of dark sex attacks on women as well. Yeah, like I suppose that's the sort of thing, that's how men like that get to their victims because they seem so normal, because you trust them, because they're not ugly monsters that you mm. might see creeping down alleyways. They're just everyday human people who, you know, either they pull over and try and help you on the side of the road and you don't kind of, and that's how they lure people in. Um, Especially with him, you know, he was able to lure in these vulnerable people. So maybe he was too much of a coward, you know, to to be that way with with people in his life because it seemed like his victims were random. Mm -hmm. And we've certainly heard, you know, obviously we have Juliana who has her story with what happened to him, an opportunistic person, exactly, which is what happened with Nora Sheehan. Um, We have heard of other stories where you know, there is other people mm-hmm. without a doubt that he has had um, assaulted. Yeah. But, you know, he is behind bars now and he's yeah. not going to harm another woman. Do you know what I have to say? Like, a lot of these cold cases are what the cold case, the serious crime review team is identify the suspect. The suspect may not have been identified before. They may have been there somewhere in those files. But with the no long case, the state took an awful long time to actually bring him before the courts. Mm-hmm. I mean, the legislation changed in the 90s. The cold case team was set up in 2008. Nothing was happening since then. The fibers and the DNA were sent to a lab 2010. Yeah. So, I mean, I know he brought this up himself in his, his in legal argument, but I mean, it seems to me it's a bit tardy when you have somebody as uh, dangerous as him living out in the community and feeling so empowered by having got away with it for so long, you'd wonder, like, what what was the big delay? I mean, it's 13 years after that, those fibres and the DNA, which clearly were what convinced the jury of his guilt, were, were sent to those labs in the UK and came back. So it seems, well, yes, that was something he brought up in his legal mm. argument himself, kind of that delay and the the fact that you're kind of have the right to a speedy trial. Um, 
what seems to have happened was the cold case review team wasn't actually put in place until 2008. So there was no way of, you know, there being, a, a, there was no dedicated team of, mm. of Gardaí to actually invest, investigate those cold cases. So that's, you know, kind of was the it fell main through thing. the cracks as such because it was so old. Because it was old. And again, the Gardaí kind of said this during the trial was that if a fresh murder investigation opens up, they have to put all their resources into that because as you know, with these things, time is of the essence, you know, with witnesses and mm. interviewing um, witnesses and, you know, suspects and getting evidence, gathering evidence that that kind of takes precedent. Um, another thing was, you know, with the serious crime review team, when they did get that case file, you know, they went through and they identified about 200 cases from, I think, 1980 was about their cutoff point. Um, I think there might have been just one previous to that, but they had 200 cases to review and it was a very small team of people mm. who had to review those. So you can imagine, you know, you're starting off into an investigation that's that old, that the amount of evidence they had to go through, they were trying to find all the witnesses, track them down, interview them themselves. And, you know, they had to find out whether they were living abroad, whether they were still here, if they were dead, if they were, you know, still able to give that evidence and to have to go around all those people, mm. comb through all the evidence that's there with not just one case, but all of the cases. And, you know, obviously all of different time, complexities. I mean, you're kind of worried as each year goes by that somebody mightn't be around to sit in the, the witness box and give the evidence, you know. Mm. Um, but it just did strike me that this case is different. It's different to the others. He was there from the beginning as a suspect. It was luck on his part that he got away with it. And could those fibers and et cetera been sent between 92 and, you know, 2010 when they were like, that's at nearly 20 years that nobody thought to look back over this case. There's so many forgotten victims out there. And I was once told by somebody who worked on the cold case unit that it's those who shout loudest that get heard. So it's people who have family fighting for them. And, you know, some families don't have the ability to campaign. And I suppose sometimes they just, you know, they're not able to cope with what's happened and, mm. and that kind of thing. But yeah, it's it's uh, it just strikes me that there was, it's it's definitely a big, long delay. I mean, mm. he was still an able-bodied man until he was jailed there. At, now, Juliana says he's actually age 76, not... He's uh, 80, sorry, yeah, he's 75, 75. For 76, not 74. So it kind of does make a difference when you're that age. Yeah, 75 years of age. So that legislation changed in 92. So he was, at that point, only 40s. Mm. And he's lived out his 40s, his 50s, his 60s, and most of his 70s as a free man. Yeah. Despite being identified as the killer of Nora Sheehan so long ago. But anyway, um, and, you know, for somebody as dangerous as that living in the communities, in the community, um, that's what the police are there for, to protect the community, to do their job. And you would wonder, should we be celebrating this as an achievement or as one that's just too long coming. I don't know, just putting it out there. Yeah, like it, obviously it has taken such a long time. And again, this is something that came up at trial. Um, but then it seems to be the issue was also surrounding um, getting a legal sample, DNA sample from no long because they didn't actually have one because they took a blood sample back in 1981. But because that arrest was also deemed right. to be illegal because he was questioned about the murder while being arrested for the burglary. Um, they had to also try and... That's why they wanted to get that victim from 82 
to okay. proceed with her. With her, so they um, had something fresh to put to so him. They had something fresh to put to him, and they had a way of kind of maybe obtaining a legal DNA sample for, from him. Um, but that didn't come around until 2021 um, when they got a warrant to search his house and take possessions from him. Um, that might explain things. That yeah. Case. He was, and just some people can be lucky and they know how to work the system. And he obviously is an agitator, as I know myself. And he's somebody that will be sitting in jail working out how he can appeal this, no doubt. He never accepts his fate. No, and I think one of the really interesting things that I came across while I was kind of in the course of this trial was when he he has a conviction for 2014 for assault. Mm-hmm. Um, and we know he's obviously a very violent man, but when the judge in that case was handing down the sentence or when he, throughout the course of the trial, he said... Um, it is somewhat extraordinary to have a 65-year-old man before the court for assault. Normally, assault is the province of young, hot-blooded, hot-tempered and the foolish. Um, and he basically said that um, there is a question of a lad having a short fuse and then there's your lad who doesn't have any fuse at all. Which I thought described him down to the ground. It? it is so odd to have somebody of that age yeah. losing the cool, losing the rag. I think the guy had driven down um, the lane outside his house. Something unfolded. He put a, basically a water hose into the car to soak him. The man got out of the car and he was, you know, in a completely unprovoked attack, mm. hit with an iron bar. And there was no remorse there either for that incident. No control over his temper whatsoever. No. And we know of other incidents even happening later in his life where he still um, was a volatile character ready to flip off the handle um, at any point. Um, well, look, we'll, we'll come back to him again as we kind of continue to delve into his background and try and put few pieces of the jigsaw together. His ears must be burning, but we will be back to it. Indeed. Thank you, Cloda. You've been listening to Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. Produced by Ian Mullaney and edited by me, Nicola Talent. Research assistant is Cloda Meany. If you like this show and love true crime, leave us a review. Or why not download the free sundayworld.com app for lots more stories from Ireland and across the globe. Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take The Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume The Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume The Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip, and commentary.